Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Philip Wiley Show. Today, I'm very excited to have Tiberius joining Tiberius was on my previous podcast, the Hacker Factory podcast, and uh, he actually offered to, to be on the new podcast, which I took him up on. So it's awesome to have him here. He's done a lot of great things for the community and someone I like to follow for information because one of the things that I love about Twitter, although, or X, whatever they're calling it these days, is that's used to be where, and it's where I get most of my security information from. Uh, I knew about Jason Haddix from like the Ethical Hacker Network, but then followed him on Twitter and, and some others just like Tiberius to get kind of information. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah. It's great to be here. Thanks Philip. Yeah. Thanks for, for coming back again. It's, it's cool. And it's interesting to see some of the stuff you're doing, uh, before we get started for those that may be new to security, may not know about you, if you wouldn't mind, you know, sharing a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Yeah. So I've been working as a penetration tester for just over 10 years, I think now. Um, and I mostly have been like, I would say the last eight or nine years focusing mostly on web application security. Uh, I figured out early on that, you know, network pen testing is all right, but I really, I really like doing the web stuff. So that was sort of where I aimed my career. And, um, I pretty much now exclusively just do web applications uh, for the company I work at. Uh, but yeah, I've uh, also got a few um, OSCP related courses and um, a tool that people have used on the exam. Um, I do Twitch streams usually once or twice a week. Um, and then a lot of those streams get edited and put up on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, I've I've been trying to increase my <laughs> my social media presence on Twitter or X or whatever, uh, and LinkedIn, et cetera. So, yeah, I can definitely see the effort. It's it's you definitely see that you're doing that, and that that's good. And it's and I and I know a lot of the people that are fans of your your content. I'm sure they like that to see see things more often, and uh, always good to to you know build up the following on the different platforms. So yeah, one of the one of the tools that you kind of mentioned, one of the tools you created. Uh, and it's got a lot of attention around the OSCP is auto recon. So kind of what, what, uh, gave you the idea to come up with auto recon? Was this for like professional use or going through any kind of exam or, um, yeah, it wasn't professional. And I, I actually have a disclaimer on the, like on the tool page, like probably don't use it. <laughs> it was literally just for the OSCP. Like, uh, one of the things you're obviously you're not allowed to automate exploitation on the OSCP, but you, you're always allowed to automate enumeration. Um, so that's like the initial port scanning and service scanning and everything. Um, and there were a few, so when I took it back in, I think it was 2017, 2018, um, for whatever reason, I didn't take it until I was, I'd been a pen tester for like seven years. So ignore that. <laughs> but, um, when I, when I was taking it, there were like three tools that did automatic enumeration, like kind like that i liked i guess um there was recon scan there was b scan and then was, there was one which i can always never pronounce it's like a reconnoitre or something um 
and they were all okay. Um, but there were like elements of one I liked that weren't in one of the others, but, but elements of that one, you know, I really loved. So, you know, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to build my own <laughs> and kind of like just merge the features of all of those into one. And that became auto recon. Uh, and I used it on my exam and I passed, that was great. And then I released it to the community and it kind of just took off from there. Like as, as soon as people found out that it was like legal for the exam, uh, everyone started using it. Um, and you know, it's, it's useful for the exam. It's useful for CTF boxes and like hack the box, et cetera. Um, it's not, I wouldn't use it against real networks. I know people have, and they're like, you know, I, I used it against a thousand hosts and it's still running. And it's like, yeah, it's not really designed for a thousand. I mean, it can, it will eventually stop, <laughs> but it's not really designed for that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was basically where I left it. And then I think it was like last year or maybe the year before I, I pretty much rewrote it from scratch and, and implemented a plugin system, which, um, cause the original version was really bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, re I regret coding that, but yeah, the, the auto recon two is, uh, is miles better. Very cool. So do you do much, uh, coding or scripting or whatever in automation during your day in your day job? Uh, to some extent it's not really, um, it's to be honest, it's mostly burp extensions. Um, mm -hmm. so I've, I have been writing a few recently that I need to release, uh, but Usually, because I'm, because I don't do network stuff anymore, and I'm I'm mostly doing web applications. Like, Burp Suite is basically where I test. Like, it's it's almost it's been ninety nine percent of everything I do is in Burp Suite, um, and Burp Suite's extensions uh, are great, and there's there's a ton of them that I use. But you'll always find some kind of application which just needs it. It just doesn't play nicely with Burp for whatever reason, and you need to write a quick extension to fix that. Um, uh, the one that I've been working on recently is is one for helping with reporting. Uh, because if, if anyone's ever dealt with copying HTTP requests into a report, uh, there are a ton of headers that you just don't need. Um, <laughs> that if you just left them in, the report would be about 100 pages too long. So I designed uh, a, a basically a, a copying extension i guess uh where you can basically just set up rules for hey if you're copying this request then just remove these headers um and you know truncate all the cookies because you don't need the megabyte worth of cookies there um so yeah i think that's um that's probably going to be released hopefully soon but yeah it's uh it's, it's it's definitely helped my reporting process oh that's cool it, it's just kind of you know it's really interesting of the areas of pen testing that and I guess that even goes back to network pen testing. Some of the tools that have come out really kind of, uh, I don't know, prevented, I think, some people from not learning to script or code or doing less of it. Because, you know, when you look at Burp Suite, all the stuff you could do there, I mean, just like when you figure like password brute forcing before you had like Burp Suite to do that, trying to use things like Hydra, you know, weren't always the best options and kind of a pain. And it seems like if you keep everything in the one tool, like you mentioned, that you do most of your work there, it kind of makes it nicer to have that data in one location to work on the pen test. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
so yeah yeah i mean intruder is honestly the best tool in burp suite so it's it's yeah <laughs> it's like the I mean, it's pretty much the greatest fuzzing tool that's out there you know even compared to stuff like um ffuf and wfuzz uh so yeah i think if you and i should clarify this is all in burp suite pro i understand intruder in burp suite community is is not good <laughs> uh, but in in pro it's amazing trust me uh so uh, i think yeah if you can stick to one tool uh, and if you can extend that tool in various ways to accommodate your needs i think that's probably better than just spreading yourself thin over a bunch of them yeah makes it a lot, lot easier to manage and it's kind of interesting thinking of uh testing tools did you see that owasp zap is no longer part of uh owasp I did. Uh, I think that's a good move. Um, I, I have, uh, I have opinions about OWASP. I don't necessarily think they're going in the right direction. Um, I know they recently changed their name. So then they're, they're no longer the web application security project. They're the world application security project, which, okay. <laughs> um, <All right. laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'm not really a big fan of them. I don't, I don't really subscribe to the OWASP top 10 as a thing anymore. Um, I actually plan on making a video about that hopefully soon. But uh, I think I think what started with good intentions just almost they almost became too big, um, mm -hmm. and they just have too much stuff going on. And as a result, I think projects have just kind of collapsed a little. I think that's one of the main reasons why the Zap team. Uh, moved over to I forget who they're with now actually but yeah uh, I forget exactly what it was to yeah. something something security or whatever but they were from some of the things I saw too that they were it sounds like they would actually possibly get some funding to help them with their project too instead of just be able to share yeah. it on a repository which should be good because um, as much as I don't like Zap uh, <laughs> compared yeah. to Burpsuite Pro um, it, it would be good to have an open source alternative to to burp suite that isn't limited in the same way community is um and i know we've i know we've got kaido coming along but i i i'm still not drinking the kaido kool-aid um i don't i don't see what's so fantastic about it because it doesn't seem to have any features that i would use uh but we'll see i, I mean maybe in a in a year or two we'll have three really good web application uh, security scanning tools for pen testing so that'd be good the good thing of anything, you know, competition uh, breeds improvement because if you look at some of the things that's happened with Burp Suite, is kind of copying some of the things from Zap. Because remember, you used to when you had to upload all the extensions manually in Burp Suite, you didn't have the little uh, extension area or store to upload. Yeah. Uh, Zap had that for a while, and just some of the then now, you know, how they got the the browser features. Now you can launch a browser within Burp Suite. Some things yeah. that that zap was doing so it's good from that standpoint the kaido or whatever you mentioned i just heard about that from haddocks a while back i took his uh bug bounty uh training course and he kind of mentioned that there i just looked at that the other day have you played around with that much at all have you tried tried it i've played around with it like like i said like as far as i'm concerned if, if they're gonna if, if they're aiming to, to you know be what pen testers or bug bounty hunters use uh they it just needs work like there's there's tons of features that are basically just carbon copies of what burp suite already has 
So there's no real reason to switch over as far as I'm concerned. Like the, the stuff you can do in Kaido, you can do in Burp Suite. There's no real um, sort of new features or, or different ways of doing things that make it easier. Uh, but I think it's got potential. I mean, you know, they've got a very active development team on it. So that I'm, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen, but I'm not, I'm not entirely impressed right now. Uh, I understand it's like an alpha release, but still. Okay. So is it written in, is it in Java too, or what is it? What is it? I written think Kaido is written in Rust. Okay. I might be completely wrong about that. Cause I know Burp and Zap are written in Java. Um, and I know Kaido isn't, <laughs> but I, it's either I don't think it's Go. I think it has to be Rust, actually. Yeah, I I would I would say I'm ninety five percent sure it's Rust, which is good because Rust is, um, as far as I'm aware, extremely uh, fast and versatile language. Uh, so it, it probably will have some benefits over Java in that respect. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, thinking of Java, I remember some of the Microsoft warnings you used to see about using Java and stuff. I remember some of those. <laughs> from years ago so one of the things it's kind of i'm kind of interested to get your point of view on well it's interesting when you mentioned the OWASP top 10 because i believe in the episode of the hacker factory one of the tips you gave was if you're going to pen test not to just depend on the OWASP top 10 to test for other vulnerabilities yeah. and not just those yeah so ironically that when, when was that advice that was like two years ago yeah um, yeah <laughs> So it's it's weird because like the OWASP top ten, how if you look into the origins of it, it started out as literally the top ten web application vulnerabilities, um, and top ten means there's more than ten. I think everyone mm -hmm. can agree on that, uh, or at least there's at least ten. There's probably more, um, and they they treated it like that for a while. But what I think happened, and I might be completely wrong about this, and this might just be my fanciful imagination, uh, but I think what happened is people just started taking it as hey. The, these are 10 vulnerabilities we can say we're testing for. Like, you know, if you go to do a web app pen test, the, the company says, we test the OWASP top 10. And it kind of becomes like a, like a buzzword. And then that slowly convinces everybody, well, you know, the OWASP top 10 is what people should test. Not just, though. It, it was literally a measure of these are the most common. It's not, these are all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a web app ten, pen tester, you should be testing for all of them. You should definitely test the OWASP top 10, but you should be testing the OWASP top 100 if there is one. Um, <laughs> but what I think happened is that like people started thinking of it as these are the only vulnerabilities. And instead of correcting that view, OWASP went down the, the route of basically, instead of vulnerabilities, they just made 10 categories. Uh, and if you look at the OWASP top 10 today, and just name a random web application vulnerability, you can fit it on the OWASP top 10. Um, if not, because number four is insecure design. And if you think about it, every single vulnerability is an insecure design of some kind. So that's the catch-all uh, category on the OWASP top 10. But I think, you know, as soon as, they, as soon as they had an injection category and they just shoved SQL injection and command injection and now XSS, which is an injection, I agree. It's, if there is a category it should be in, XSS is practically JavaScript injection. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all in the injection category now. Um, so even though those are three completely separate and distinct vulnerabilities, the fact that they're all in one category now, um, it's uh, it, it's kind of fixed the problem that I had with it, which was that you know, now if people say they test the old top 10, well, yeah, 
because it covers everything but it kind of becomes pointless at that at that stage you know because literally there's nothing top about it it's everything yeah that's that's an interesting interesting thoughts there but yeah not definitely the top 10 vulnerabilities anymore but categories that's interesting so one, one of the things too i think is kind of interesting because i you know see see posts on uh content about burp swede and one of the things that's kind of interesting about you know web app pen testing is some you know like some cases people are just testing for vulnerabilities they're really not trying to exploit stuff and i saw something a while back where someone posted on port swigger's site about how can i get a shell using burp suite and they kind of responded back that's really not the goal of this tool and so i just find it kind of interesting because you know people with more of the pen testing background you're going to try to exploit things if you can so with that mindset what is your kind of thoughts on that do you believe in that just testing for vulnerabilities or you, you believe in digging deeper and see if it can be exploited past just finding a vulnerability yeah that's a great question um it kind of it it's a complicated one because it really depends on the scope of the test and i think the main reason they might have said that uh, port swigger is generally speaking if, if you're on a web application engagement the scope is like literally just the web application. Um, if you're in a broader uh, like internal network and web applications happen to be there, I think there's more merit to trying to go further and exploit stuff to get like a shell. Um, the reason why you might not, uh, and it goes back to something that my, my boss, my first boss told me when I first got into pen testing which is it's it's okay to like try and exploit stuff and get shells but ultimately if you know that something's theoretically possible uh like if you have a command injection right you know theoretically yeah if you can execute commands you can definitely get a shell at some point it's just a matter of time but at the same time if if the customer fixes the command injection can you still get a shell well no so it's kind of a balance between how much work or effort you put in trying to fully exploit something. Because, it, yeah, definitely, if you can show the damage that you can do, that's great for the report. But at the same time, if you can at least just, you know, exfiltrate some data from a command injection without fully getting a shell, that's still bad. Um, and if the solution is going to be the same either way, I think... It, rather than like waste three hours trying to get a shell when you could have been testing other things and potentially found, you know, worse vulnerabilities. I think that's probably uh, the better way to do it. So it, it really depends on the scope. It depends on how much time you have on the test. Um, and it depends on how much you think a, a customer is going to need convincing that this is a really bad issue. And generally, I think most customers um, don't need too much convincing, especially if you can at least get some kind of command execution even though it's not a full shell that's yeah, that's uh I, I like that it's interesting and, and one of the things to think about you mentioned too is wasting your time so you know if someone's at the end of a pen test or they're spending too much time trying to exploit it and then the time's up and you're writing the report there's things that you could have missed so those are some some great points yeah it's like blind sql injection or time-based sql injection yeah, you could dump the entire database, but it's going to take hours. Uh, so there's no real point to doing it. Um, certainly look for things. If there's a user's table, try and extract one row. Um, but yeah, I think I think too many people try to just get as much as they possibly can from one single vulnerability when realistically you just need some proof. 
uh, to, to, you know, to go in the report. So since you kind of, you, you know, you mentioned you like several years ago, went into specializing in application pen testing. So do you feel like that's a, a really a better way for someone to get better at a specific type of pen testing to specialize instead of trying to, to know it all? Yeah. Um, there, there are definitely some people who, uh, who can basically know everything or learn everything. John Hammond is a great example. I don't know how he does it, but, uh, I think, I think there's, this part, if you are going into pen testing and you're, and you're completely new, spend the first couple of years doing everything, you know, signing on to externals, web application, internals, social engineering, every, everything you can get your hands on and just see what you like doing. And at that point, you know, you can start to specialize and take courses and certs in that specific area. And then you'll become a subject matter expert and you'll, you'll be worth more uh, to the company because they'll know that, you know, they can just throw you all the web application tests um, and you'll do a good job. Uh, but I think if you try and study everything, the problem is pen test, like cybersecurity is a huge field. Pen testing is a huge field. Uh, it didn't used to be that way, but it's just grown. And I just don't think anyone can realistically keep up uh, in, in if they were doing absolutely everything. I think it's it's very, very hard. I don't think you'd have any social life. So I think <laughs> specialize in something and learn that thing and learn it well, and you'll be fine. That's a good, good point. One of the interesting things about that too is you'd never imagine anyone on the blue team. Well, maybe there's some people that expect and want to know every bit of blue team. So I guess it makes right. sense when you look at the offensive security side, why would you want to do every single thing, you know, because it'd be yeah. so tough to keep up with. So as far as anyone trying to start a career in pen testing, what are your, your uh, advice there for people to kind of start that path into offensive security? Yeah, I think every time everyone asks me this question, I say I'm really the wrong person to ask. Because <laughs> like, I think I said maybe last time on the show, like, I kind of tripped and fell into pen testing. Um, I left university with a, with a master's in uh, information security. And then... I started at a, an auditing company, a computer security auditing company, writing checks for their auditing product. Um, and then after like six months of that, I was like, you know what? I can be a pen tester now. Um, and I applied to, I think it was three pen testing roles, got turned down from the first one, accepted the second one. And then I think I skipped the third one because I already had an offer. So um, yeah, but that just, that doesn't happen anymore. This, they were talking, this is back in 2011, 2012. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of impossible. The, so my, my advice would just be honestly pretty meaningless. The, the only thing I can speak of from experience is I, I know for sure bug bounty, um, bug bounty stuff definitely counts uh, for experience. Uh, and from personal experience at my company, uh, one of the guys we hired recently uh, was in the top 50 at bug crowd and before that he just been in college so he had literally no real like experience he was working at ncc for a bit but then you know ncc basically laid him off um and so what was really the experience he had was bug bounty hunting um and a lot of it 
So I think, especially if you if you like web application security already, then bug bounty hunting is a great thing to go into um, because you'll get some experience at least, even if you don't make too many you know bounties, or even if you just do the free programs. Uh, the fact that you'll have so much experience actually testing real applications is, is a good way to go. Yeah, and one of the things I think for people to consider too is if you're doing bug bounty and you're finding duplicates, you're still finding vulnerabilities. And if you're doing yeah. a pen test, you're the only one on the pen test. You would have found those during a pen test. Exactly. So I know you've got some courses on Udemy, if you wouldn't mind sharing about your, your courses that you have on Udemy. Yeah, so the, they're on Udemy and Hackers Academy and also my own uh, courses.tiberius.com. Uh, but they're basically, right now, they're OSCP-themed courses on privilege escalation. Uh, so there's one for Windows and one for Linux. And if you go to my, my site or Hackers Academy, you can buy a bundle, which is both of them. Uh, but those were designed mostly because after I took the OSCP, a lot of people complained that the privilege escalation section of the course was like lacking. And at the time, there were five boxes in the exam and three of them needed privilege escalation. So actually, I think it was four, maybe. Um, but the fact that the OSCP, OSCP is weird, because obviously, it's that kind of exam where they do teach you stuff, but the whole thing is try harder, you got to go research things yourself. And I think the problem with that approach is they, they overtaught the sort of uh, initial exploitation side of the course. Um, and then they just left the privilege escalation. So they did teach a few methods, but it just wasn't enough. So those courses were designed at sort of trying to teach as, at least as many methods as you might encounter on the OSCP exam. Um, and they've helped, uh, I think, I think 15,000 students so far have bought them. So that's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, I know a lot of people have, have said that they were, you know, the reason that they passed, uh, because they found a privilege escalation technique in the exam that they'd learned on the course. So I think that's, that's a testament to, you know, they're still good, I think. Um, <laughs> but I am actually working separately on a web application security course, uh, which I'm hoping to release in the next few months. Uh, oh, very cool. but that's, that's, I've been working on that for ages. So, um, yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> so if people purchase the courses, which is the, which way benefits you the best for them to, to get the courses um right now i think either hackers academy or my own site um udemy is a bit weird with their um the the amount of money you get if you get the if you get it with the coupons i get more so i always tell people check out my twitter um mm -hmm. the, my pinned tweet is almost always links to the courses with coupons uh so if you can get them with a coupon don't think you're saving money by taking the coupon off and spending more because uh, most of the time <laughs> I, I'm getting more with the coupon, ironically, than I would if you didn't use it. So uh, it's kind of amusing. That is uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's a good way to get people to use coupons on their part. I'm sure a lot of people are going to. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting down towards the end of the episode. Is there anything you'd like to share before we close it out? Um. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I think you did mention before uh, the the interview questions I was doing on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, if people who aren't aware, uh, a few weeks ago, almost a month, I think, I uh, I started doing these 
uh, web application security interview questions on Twitter. And you can go uh, go to my site, Tiberius.com, and there's a link there to basically all of them. Uh, but if you are looking to get into web application security and you're worried about the interview process, then these are a set of, let's say, more advanced questions than you, you would usually get. Um, so it's not a problem if you don't know the answer, but it's a good thing to attempt and then obviously to research if you if you aren't sure of the answers, uh, because yeah, if they come up on the uh, on the interview, that's great. You'll you'll know them at least. Uh, so I think I think they'll probably help a lot of people. Very cool. I've I've been a big fan of that too, and and shared on a a uh, talk I did for Pentester Nepal or Pentest Nepal the other other day. And and now that you mentioned that, there's someone I'm connected to on LinkedIn that's been going through some AppSec interviews. I need to make sure that she knows about those too. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for, for joining, and I look forward to seeing you at summer camp next week. Yeah, looking forward to it, too. Thank you for listening to The Philip Wiley Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.